Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of work shop alumni at gatewaymen.com get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY hi my name is jonathan and i'm the founder of the gateway to freedom workshop i want to invite you to join us at our next workshop coming up september 28th through the 30th in pennsylvania in the beautiful poconos along the delaware river so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY that's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. Of course, my name is Jonathan, and we're here with Stephen Cervantes. So, how yes, are you sir. doing? Yes, sir. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to see you. Glad we're having some talks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in. You know, before we get started, you know, I, I've got to just share something personally here. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, Stephen, because I've got this this year, this school year. I have three high schoolers. <laughs> I've got a senior, a junior, and a freshman. Wow. What? How am I going to survive oh, how this year? And I mean, they're they're great kids, and you know, uh, but it's like, what happened? How did I? You know, how did we get here? Where when did you get old? You I used know, to have little babies like, running around. I know. You know? So anyway, I feel now like want to drive the car. Right? I feel like we're entering that that stage where it will feel over the next few years like the band aids getting ripped off real fast because mm. it's like boom, boom, boom. They're all going to be kind of launching out over these next few years. So just, uh, wow. I guess maybe I'm Time bringing this. I'm here. bringing this on because I'm I'm in, I'm subtly inviting the listeners to pray for me this year. <laughs> pray for our family. Oh, that's uh, great. It's exciting, but it's kind of like uh, the and tunnel of chaos. it's scary you know? because, you know, when they're little, you keep them close and the needs are little and you can make them happy with little things. And now as they get older, they want to go out in the big world. Oh, yeah. My need. senior, uh, this this last year, I felt like oh, about every third day I see her, you know, because she's, <laughs> she's got a job, she's got friends, she's got activities, you know. So it's, oh. it's uh, anyway. I don't know why I brought that up. And because you used to be a lot of fun. Now you're you're falling. The her friends are fun. Well, my kids. Uh, I don't think my kids ever thought I was a child ever. So I don't know if I've ever been <laughs> been fun. But uh, uh, anyway, I uh, listeners, sorry about that little detour. That was good. Um, That's honest. Thank you for being part of our program Remember, here. Remember, new rule: transparent. Exactly. We're we let be, you know where we are too. Yeah, know. and uh, and. We would love for you to consider um, coming alongside and supporting our work. We we are uh, doing a lot of work to seek to help people just learn and grow and be equipped in not only their own lives, but also how to help other people. Because whether you're a parent or you're a pastor or you're a friend or just a brother or a sister, 
Um, there's all kinds of opportunities in our just daily lives of relationships to help people. And that's really what this program is about. This program is about trying to give you insights and tools to help you grow in your own life, but also then to be able to pass that along to others. If you'd like to come alongside and uh, partner in our work, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, and you can uh, support the work that we're doing. Yes, thank you. And we're grateful for that. So, Stephen, we're going to talk about brains. Yes. Right? (laughs) Yes. But not as people might think of the physical part of it. Yeah. We're really talking about the thought process that goes with an addicted brain versus a healthy brain. And and although we do know that there are physiological differences to that, we're going to we're going to take it a little bit deeper than that, right? Well, more of the mind. Yeah, well, and the the thinking process. Well, any observation actually that would help you help, help somebody distinguish between what do you know to be an addicted brain because of the behaviors and the language and, you know, what's Mm -hmm. happened. Because there's some clear thoughts that come to my mind when I think somebody's running an addicted brain. They're divided because they come out and look social, but then they have a secret back here that, that nobody knows about. And so they're present for a while, but they can't be fully present. Uh, They're good, but they can't be good too much because they retreat and hide and fall back to their secret life. They're always hiding. They don't want they don't want to be known too well. And I've always I've, you know, it's funny because it seems like you'd want to be known and most people want to be known. But if you've got an addiction, you don't want to be mm-hmm. known. So you talk shallow, you stay light and short in your conversations cuz you're trying to keep people out of your business. Right. Right? Um, and you're getting worse. If you got an addiction, it means you tried to quit, you couldn't quit, you got worse. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what addiction is. I knew it wasn't good. I tried to stop. I couldn't stop. And not only could I not stop, I got worse. And it starts to consume and take more and more time, energy, effort. One of the things I see, too, a lot of times in the addicted brain thinking is there's a lot of uh, blame shifting that goes on, I think, a lot of times. And this isn't to discount the realities of of things that have been dumped into somebody's life or the things that have been done to a person that are that are damaging and harmful. But I think part of that kind of addicted brain thinking is it's that I don't really have any responsibility in this. It's sort of the ultimate disease model of like, hey, this is just something that happened to me. I can't, you know, Mm. I I might even admit that I can't, I'm powerless or whatever else, but I'm not really going to take ownership of the decisions I've made, or I'm not really going to take responsibility for the things I've done. And so I do see a lot of blaming sometimes Mm -hmm. um, in the kind of the addicted brain thinking so the other thing that I notice is they all have bad identity. They think, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Something bad happened in my childhood, I'm bad. Nobody was there for me, I'm bad. Um, parents fought, weren't interested in me, I'm bad. You know, One parent left, it was just me, I'm bad. I mean, whatever happened, the interpretation is, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. 
And I have to hide that identity. It's a painful identity. One guy said to me this. He said, I was the guy who was walking around with a red wagon filled with pain. Mm. All my life, I'm a kid, I'm an adult, I'm a mature adult, and I have a wagon full of pain about how bad I am and how terrible I am. Um, and I never get away from this red wagon that I pull behind me with sadness, brokenness, desperation. Well, and then there's a lot of in- conclusions that one comes to, right? If they have that old, that, that identity, that, that bad identity, is then um, how can they ever expect to have closeness in a relationship? How can they ever feel like they could... Um, be okay you know it's like there's all these conclusions that then come out of that that then are going to affect behavior that probably are going to only make things worse right so it kind of becomes a spiral so i think the if you think about addiction um addiction in itself is always leading to a place that's worse right i mean if you follow that you're going to be if you follow the path of addiction it doesn't lead to a place that's better so so you it makes sense then that the thinking associated with addictive patterns is going to lead to worse thinking, which then is going to lead to worse behavior, which mm-hmm. leads to worse thinking. It just kind of compounds on itself. Well, and, and that leads right into this next idea that I have these tormenting thoughts in their identity and shame and fear and failure and brokenness. But, but I say this, it's so simple but you got to think about was it like for a child to say, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. Something happened, I'm bad. You don't want to be my friend, I'm bad. You didn't invite me to your birthday party, I'm bad. Uh, everybody's going and I'm not, I'm bad. And it's just this tormenting sense of bad identity. Who you are is bad. It's inadequate, it's not enough, it's failing. And it's a tormenting part that just turns on the inside. And you can sort of get an idea why somebody would want to get away from that, you know, Mm -hmm. and distract themselves with some medication of some kind, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, something to get away from this inner battle that I carry with me all the time. You know who I am? I'm bad. Mm. That's who I am. One of the things that came to my mind thinking about um, addictive brain thinking was that it's a it's a thought process that is very much controlled by just urges or impulses, mm. right? So I know that for me, when I was in the sort of the height of my addiction, um, it was a place of just refusing to deny any urge or any impulse that I had. So... And I think part of the thinking behind that then is, listen, if I really did, if I really did just satisfy every urge that I have, Mm -hmm. I will be ultimately happy, ultimately fulfilled, right? Um, Of course, everybody who's ever gone down that road discovers at some point that doesn't work. But that's part of the addictive thinking. There's this belief that says, Really, if life really was all about me, if I really did get everything that I want at the moment that I want it, whoever, no matter how much it costs anybody else, 
then mm. I'll be happy. And um, obviously that doesn't pan out. Right. So I have this other thought that, that there's a lot of insecurity inside someone with addictive thinking. But then I think, I think a lot of people have insecurity. Oh, yeah. It means unsure of yourself. And really, I don't know if God designed us so we could be just fully complete and secure in ourselves. So it's almost like by design, we are unsure. But think about a tormenting sense of insecurity, insecure, not secure, not safe, not able to rest, not able to get away from this tormenting identity, to be unsure and sort of trying the best you can to juggle this complicated life where you're divided and you know you're a freak and you're trying to be socially normal and be out there, but you're unsure and you keep hearing this voice about how terrible a person you are. There's just such turmoil inside. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to the insecurity part. I mean, uh, talking again about being transparent, right? I mean, that's always been something that's been part of my, my history uh, and something that I still struggle with. And, and I, even though I recognize that that's part of the kind of the unhealthy thinking, the un, unhealthy, what we're calling here kind of the addicted brain thinking, um, it doesn't mean that it goes away. And I think that's something important to recognize here. Um, and maybe if I could take a little sidebar here for a second. When we talk about, when you sort of do these these podcasts where we're pitting sort of one thing kind of against another and trying to show contrast, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we falsely assume that therefore these things, well, they're mutually exclusive and they never overlap. And I think it's important to realize that this is all part of a spectrum. So when I think about all the things that were part of my own personal addicted brain thinking, Mm. it doesn't mean that now maybe because I'm operating far more from a healthy brain thinking that I have no more connection or struggles with my addicted brain thinking. That I never, it all went away. That like all of a sudden, guess what? I I feel completely full and confident and I don't have any more insecurities. I don't have any more fears. No, it's like... So I don't want our listeners to think that we're trying to say we don't want to put any shame out there that says, listen, when we start talking about healthy brain thinking and you go, man, I'm I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, right? Yeah. We don't want that to exacerbate the the shame thinking that's part of the, the other ways. It's all on a spectrum, and we're what we're wanting to do is highlight this so that growth can happen, so that there can be some steps made toward healthier thinking. Yeah. How do you get out of this addictive thinking? There's a lot of pain in your life just because you call yourself names like a bad human being. And there's shame, which is the dialogue of the other 10 things you say by calling yourself terrible and a sense of unworthiness. And there's fears that people are going to find out. And then you start using this secret substance, whatever, say porn, and you get worse. And first it's a little bit and distracting, and then after a while it's a monumental addiction and you got to hide that thing. Mm. And so so an addictive uh, thinking requires to escape from yourself, which needs a substance, alcohol, drugs, porn, right? I have to get away from me. 
And when I use, when I find my substance of choice, it works for a little bit to get me away from me. Then I start with one glass of wine, then it's two, then it's three. Now I got a problem, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, in the beginning, a little bit is not out of control. But if it's your solution, it quickly becomes out of control. And then you have two problems. You have, you have the terrible emotional damage of the system. Then you got all these sexual inappropriate behaviors and thoughts and fantasies and escaping and bad interaction and history and using people. I mean, it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. There's heaviness that comes with addiction and addiction thinking and when your brain is wired that way. Well, and it is heavy, and I really want to get to healthy brain thinking because this <laughs> I'm is heavy. myself out. This here. is heavy, so let's give some hope here. What does it look like to start moving towards, well, first of all, can we start just giving some snapshots of what healthy brain thinking looks like and then maybe try to help? How do you make some connections then to moving Go for towards it. You got any ideas? So, for instance, and I don't want to, you know, this might be jumping way too far ahead, but when I talked about how in my history and feeling like, man, a major part of my addicted brain thinking was just being controlled by urges and impulses. Um, well, healthy brain thinking was learning how to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Mm. And that's a very different way to operate because the one is saying, I'm going with a death grip, going to cling to my life and control it. And so therefore, everything is under my sovereignty, so to speak. Healthy brain thinking is saying, I didn't even, I didn't get any choice in starting my life. I don't own it. God is the creator. God's the one who has the prerogative and the sovereignty, and he's the one who gave me life, so he gets the right then to control it. And so that thinking is a major shift. So when I feel those old tendencies that say, hey, you know what, there's an urge that just happened, and I want to find myself to grab that and run with it, I have to say, wait a second. I don't have the right to just do whatever I want with any urge that comes along. Mm. Spirit of God? How do you want me to respond to this? And how do you? It's a surrendering. It's a diff, It's the thinking of of humility and servanthood versus I'm the master of my own domain and do whatever I want. And this is good because this is like spiritual thinking, right? Spiritual healthy thinking. Because mm-hmm. you got to use every tool to fight oh, this yeah. battle. Yeah, you got to fight on every level. Because there's emotional, physical, spiritual. All That's of that right. is connected. Yes. And you got to work on every level, and you got to practice good, healthy behavior on a, with spiritual tools and emotional tools and physical tools, right? And relationship tools. So I, I think you, you've heard this. Uh, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I really like that line. I love it. Yeah. Because it's taking ownership. The only thing I can do is make a mess. And I'm sick and tired of making a mess of my, I'm just sick and tired of what I designed. And I'm just sick and tired of that. And so, uh, so what it happens, I start reaching out. I start asking better questions. I start crying out to God. I cry out to a brother. I go to a program. I find a group. You know, I, I find your book, Grace-Based Recovery. Right. It's like, wow, there's some mercy and grace in this process too. Well, and I say, I'm convinced of the statement that says, you know, um, when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of staying the same, then you'll actually move towards recovery mm. and, and growth. And so pain is Pain's still part of the process, yeah. but it's like 
that idea of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired is recognizing that I'm realizing that I'm to a level of pain now that is so deep and so overwhelming that even though I know that moving in the direction of recovery is going to require some painful changes, mm-hmm. that's less pain than where I'm at right now. So stay the statement again. When the pain when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of staying the same, yeah. you'll move toward recovery. That's a good line. So I, I think, you know, we start with submission, right, from a spiritual standpoint. And then we start from the whole idea of getting around guys and having a sense of, hey, I'm just like you. Don't you love that at the gateway weekends where guys go, hey, we're all alike Right, here. yeah, it's like this, these struggles. light bulbs start going off. We're strugglers. Yeah, yeah we, we failed, but we're still men, and we're still children mm-hmm. of God, and we still were made for a vision and purpose. It's just not what we've been doing. And so when you realize you're just a regular guy underneath all that, oh, my goodness, it starts to heal the soul. I mean, I can be a regular guy, and I just need to get around other guys that are going to encourage me and help me, and i got to do better thinking. I've got to use my spiritual toolbox, the best emotional tools I can. i got to work on physical health. You know, when and maybe and as you're saying that, maybe that's one of the things too that's a big difference between addicted brain thinking and healthy brain thinking. I think addicted brain thinking leads us to isolation. It leads us to, I mean, in fact, one of the things that I really experienced and I've seen many other men experience is that addicted brain thinking actually causes you to think that the ideal life is one where everybody just leaves us alone. And guess what? That will happen. If you stay well, down the path of addictive oh. brain thinking, the idea that I think it leads you to isolation because mm. everybody is an interruption to your desires, your goals of just getting whatever you want. Healthy brain thinking, I think, you begin to realize I not only need community, I belong in community. Yes, that's good. Like there's a good, there's a sense of health that comes in realizing, right. like you said at the workshops, when guys realize it's okay for me. To, to be broken as one of these men here who doesn't have all together, but I feel such a sense of belonging because we can now unpack things together. We can travel together. And we don't have to hide mm-hmm. and, and, and put on an image and lie and pretend. You know, I've been playing with this statement because, you know, I also struggle with the security issue. I mean, I think... Uh, I think it it it's almost built in our program to make us cry out to God. That right. statement, you know, am I enough? Because he answers that question. And it's interesting because the question is, am I enough? Am, am I enough? Am I good enough? Do I do enough? Am, am I like the good people? Or am I enough? Am, me? Because if you had a rough past and you never felt like you were enough, then you rest your life, you go around trying to be act enough and take enough and pretend enough to but you you're not enough mm. and so it's interesting how I have come to a place where I've accepted myself mm-hmm. and i I am enough, yeah. and I tell myself I'm enough, and the reason I say this is not because I'm the God, but I know the God, and he says I'm enough, yeah. And that's one of the things you're saying there that I think is transformational in that regard is when we can come to understand that we are we are loved because we are, 
Mm. not because we've done anything. Right. Like we love because God created, we are loved because he created us. He, he created us to be loved by him. Mm. And I think that's huge in shifting the thinking because if you think about the addicted brain thinking, it's constantly in pursuit of something to try to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Mm. So we keep trying to find this, we, we keep, we have legitimate longings, right? I mean, we have a legitimate desire for sex. We have a legitimate longing for food. We have a legitimate desires for relationships, whatever. But when we make those things into idols that are saying, I'm going to look to that to bring this sense of fulfillment of love mm. and belonging satisfaction, it becomes addiction because it never will be enough. You will never be enough in that mm. context. And, and, and playing off the same thing you're talking about is, remember, the addicted brain says, I am bad. Mm. I'm broken and I'm bad and I'm not right. But the healthy brain says, I'm enough. But whatever you got, that's enough. However you're equipped, that's enough. Because that's all God wants. He just wants you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to take a couple of minutes to speak to our listeners. And I want you to th- think a minute about what God about this, because the lie is you're bad. And that's why you had such a terrible life mm-hmm. because of your badness. But but the father and the sacrifice of the son and the spirit say to you, you're enough. It's all he wants is you. You're enough. You're pretty enough. You're tall enough. You're good enough. You're fit enough. You're enough. He just wants you. There's no buts and there's no add-ons. He just wants you just as he made you. The most unique you, no other you. And will you hear that maybe for the first time? Will you let that go deep in your soul? Mm. I don't want to say this to you. I want the Spirit of God to say this to you. I want God's Spirit to speak through me to your spirit. You're enough. Rest in that thought. He doesn't want anything more. He just wants you as you are. You are enough to bring a smile to your Father's face. Mm. He delights in the only time he ran the song goes, it's when you came home, when he sees you, he runs because you're enough. And I would just add to that, I, as, as Stephen was saying that, I was thinking of, a, of just kind of a picture, kind of a picture was coming to mind. It actually comes to mind in that prodigal son story. I want you to imagine that you are sitting alone in a room and your thoughts are being completely consumed with all of your shame, all of the things that are broken in your life, uh, all of what we might call these addicted brain thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just imagine sitting in that room, your, your eyes are closed. It's, you feel completely and totally alone. And I want you to imagine a hand gently rests on your shoulder and you know from the touch of that hand that it's your heavenly father. Mm. Now I want you to, before we jump too quickly to any kind of conclusion here, I want you to feel the emotion of all those thoughts still running in your head. 
and all of maybe the perceptions you've had of how God may think of you because of all of those things, all the shame, all of the brokenness, all the sin, and that hand is resting on your shoulder. And at this point, it might feel very, very heavy, right? Because you might have the expectation that how could he accept me? How could he love me? How could he want me? And then I want you to just imagine in that moment that time passes without any words, and all the Father is doing is continuing to rest his hand on your shoulders. But then I want you to imagine that in a moment, he lifts you up from that chair, he lifts you up in that moment, Mm -hmm. and he embraces you, and he begins to hold you tight. Mm -hmm. And every single fiber of your being feels resistance because you think this can't be right. This is not the way this should go. Shouldn't there be a switch? Shouldn't there be some kind of uh, instrument of torture? And yet he embraces you and over and over and over again, he whispers into your ear, you are mine. You are mine. Just as you are, you are mine. And he just demonstrates love to you in that moment. I pray that that can begin to shift in you mm-hmm. from any of these old thoughts that you've had that have only spoken shame and lies over you, that that, that vision, that um, image might begin to speak and breathe into you a new sense of life and hope and um, grace mm-hmm. that you before your father are enough and that he loves you. Yes. And let's, let's, let's use this, what happened here today. Would you text or call or write your best friend just this line, you're enough? Mm. Would you tell several people? Because I will commit to tell five people. Will you tell five people today, you're enough? Yeah. And then you add whatever you want or don't add anything. But let's have a little movement from this podcast Mm -hmm. where the Spirit uses us to bless you and you to bless and let the church do what the church does. Mm, yeah. Just say, you're enough. Because he told me I'm enough. So I can tell you, you're enough. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. Well, we're going to have to wrap up there. Thank you, listeners, for uh, being part of this. We look forward to the the stories and the stories of hope that can come out of this. And we pray that God would encourage you to encourage others. And uh, we're here for you. We want to help you. So reach out to us if you need just some more help and encouragement along the way. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. You're enough. Mm -hmm. You're enough. You're enough. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.